You're listening to SuperPod Recession Proof Your MSP, presented by SuperOps.ai, where we ask experts, analysts, and business owners what MSPs need to do now to recession proof their MSP and keep their foot on the growth pedal. Hello, everyone. Welcome to SuperPod Recession Proof Your MSP. I'm your host, Radhika Nair, and I'm SuperOps.ai's in house storyteller. Today, we are joined by Joe Burns. He is a cybersecurity expert in the UK and offers managed IT services with his firm, Reformed IT. He successfully exited his previous company, Pyronet, uh, UK, in 2019. He had started Pyronet in 2005 at the age of 21. That's impressive. Joe is going to be talking to us about why curating your client list is important, more so now in an uncertain macroeconomic climate. Welcome, Joe. Thank you so much for being part of SuperPod. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great. I also, you know, uh, this was something that I was discussing uh, a bit earlier with somebody, uh, someone else, and we were talking about how for a lot of the uh, new generation of uh, MSPs, this is the first, um, you know, recession or the first downturn that they are witnessing. But for quite a few of us, we've seen this before, right? And 2008 was much worse uh, compared to what it has been so far. And you um, have seen that, you have seen these ups and downs. So I wanted you to give our listeners a little bit of perspective. Can you put this downturn in perspective compared to, you know, what you've seen earlier? How 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 are things different? Yeah, so I think the first thing to say for, for reassurance for the MSP market is that we found in the last recession, back in 2008, 2009, where everyone seemed to be struggling in business, our business was still growing. So I think it's important for the MSPs to realize that there's definitely a market out there. People need our services and that doesn't really change even in even in a downturn. I think differently this time, what we're seeing is that actually we're seeing this inflationary increase. So we're seeing that actually prices are going up across the board, which which is kind of different to how it was in 2008, where everything slowed down and people were basically reducing prices quite heavily uh, it seems different this time so i think we could be riding a rate uh, riding a wave that is actually quite good for the msps in this market right now brilliant i also wanted because you exited um Byronet in 2019 and you started to form it after that so i wanted to understand that you know what were your lessons from your previous stint and how are you uh, implementing those in this current uh, you know, stint with reformed IT? How What are you doing differently? Yeah, the, I learned a lot of lessons the first time around, as you do. You know, whenever you start a business for the first time, you are learning as you go. One of the things that we've tried to do with reformed IT is take those lessons and learnings and 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 make different choices and and come across it, uh, come about it in a different way. Uh, absolutely, we've learned a lot. And the things that we've done differently with Reformed than when we started uh, Pyranet back in 2005, in particular, is that we chose from the start what we wanted to do with the business, what we wanted to achieve. And then we crafted how we were going to do it. So we had a three-year plan from day one as to what we were expecting to do. And, and that, that translated from turnover figures and profit figures to how many clients do we need to achieve that? And if we can decide how many clients we need, 
who's the ideal client that's going to pay the right amount of money to get us to where we need to be. So from day one, we were very particular about exactly what we were going after, which the what target market we were looking at and how we were going to scale and how we were going to grow. And what became really important was to build a service portfolio that resonated with that particular target market as well. I think that was one of the biggest lessons we learned. Being intentional about it, right? Having that plan, I guess that's 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 very interesting. And I, um, you know, coming back to that uh, point that you mentioned about, uh, you know, deciding what type of clients you want, or deciding the kind of clients who will get you to your target, right? And that uh, that was an interesting point that uh, you know, which is why um, I wanted to discuss this uh, topic with you as well. Because a lot for a lot of MSPs, they'll be like, you know, I'll I'll get and an, any any business owner for that matter, you know, I'll take whatever business I can get, right? So why do you say it's important to you know have that almost a curated client list? Why is it important to go after those the right kind of clients or you know define in the first place what's the right kind of client for you? Yeah. So again, learning from experience, the previous time we were in the same boat when we started Pyranet in 2005, we were in the same boat that we would take any client. We would take any, any business seemed like good business at the time. And I think it's also quite relevant for, for a startup business because when you're trying to get the business off the ground, you you feel like you need revenue coming in, you need money coming in, um, because if you don't, it looks like the business isn't going to grow, it's not going to be successful. So you do take on pretty much any work, which is, again, something we did differently with reformed IT. The reason it's important is not every client is, a, is the right fit. Not every client probably you can provide the right value to, and they might not value what you do. Not everyone is going to see eye to eye. And I think by kidding yourselves and trying to take on clients that aren't the right fit, all you're doing is creating a problem further down the road where you both, one of you realizes that it's not a good fit and you need to then end that relationship. And that's when it becomes messy, it becomes difficult. So one of the great things we've had is we've not had any losses of clients in the three and a half years we've been going, but we picked our clients very cleanly at the start to make sure it is a good fit and it's a win-win. Uh, we're not just taking on any work that that comes along. Right. And, um, you know, when you were, like you mentioned, when you started Reformed IT, you were intentional about all of this, right? So so what what were the criteria? What were the parameters you considered when you decided, okay, this is the kind of client that we need? What? How did you uh, arrive at that? Yeah, so the first thing we did is we mapped out what we wanted our turnover to be in year one, year two, and year three, uh, because that would give us it was all based on how are we going to grow a valuable business ultimately you know one of the things that i talk to people about a lot in the msp space is you are building a, an asset you're building a valuable asset and even though business owners might think well i have no intention of selling my business which you know which is fine the one thing you need to understand is that even if you have no intention of selling your business you need to know that it is still a valuable it's probably the biggest valuable asset that you're going to have uh, you know, it probably is going to be worth more than your house and your cars and anything that you have as possessions, your business is probably going to be worth a lot more than those. So you need to treat it like a valuable asset. And even when people have got things in their mind where they say, I'm not planning on selling the business, you have no idea what circumstances might change in the future. Now, unfortunately, I've seen people around me of a similar age who have been, uh, who have developed critical illness and terminal illnesses. 
And their perspective on life changes completely if something like that. And it could be somebody in your family. You could decide that you want to relocate. There are a number of different reasons why an exit becomes something that you then need to do. And if you've not geared your business up to be a valuable asset, then if some one of these circumstances kicks in, then you're going to be left shorter than what you should have done. So I think it's important to understand the business as an asset. And one of the things that we did was we created a plan, obviously, for the for those first three years in particular. And we we set set about what turnover we were going to achieve. And then it is just basic maths. We thought, how many clients could we comfortably take on during those first three years? If we take a turnover figure, you just need to divide it by the number of clients. That will tell you the average spend that you need to be making per client to achieve that turnover. So it's all fairly simplistic. And and then it was a case of if we take that average figure and then you look at what type of clients will spend that kind of money, you can then eliminate certain things. So we knew that if a business had less than 20 people, it's unlikely they're going to be spending a thousand pounds, two thousand pounds a month on on IT services. They, they just don't they won't have the budget for it. So we were very we were very driven by the numbers of people. So we immediately targeted anything over 20 employees. And then we looked at sectors and be, and was sector specific because, you know, a, I was kind of related to a small building firm, a small building firm who does everything on pen and paper. They don't care about their IT. They're not going to spend a lot of money on keeping their IT systems up and running because it doesn't have the same value to them. But if you look at a legal firm, a solicitor's firm, who have a lot of managing partners who make money through their IT systems and can make good money. And if those systems are down, that's costing their business considerably. They have that value element of making sure that everything's running. So different businesses and organizations value IT differently. So what we were trying to do is work out, well, if we're looking to achieve, you know, 2,000, 3,000 pounds per month on an average per client, Who's going to spend that kind of money and what are they going to spend it on? If we can provide the solutions to their problems, then that's how we that's how we pick our clients, basically. And I'm curious to know, you know, the you made that plan and over the last uh, you know, three or so years, how has that plan worked out? Has it, you know, has everything gone according to your plan? Have you revisited the plan? Have you made changes to it? Yeah, so we've definitely we've overachieved on what we originally said so yes there has been some adjust, adjustments one of the things i always talk about when it comes to targets and goals is i like to set big really ambitious goals but they only seem ambitious when you're looking forwards once you start to achieve them you go well it wasn't ambitious enough clearly i always think that a goal you shouldn't really hit it you should come really close because if you hit it it suggests that it was too small to start with it shouldn't right. be comfortable it shouldn't be easy um so i'm always trying to set the bar a little bit higher so we have revised the plan as we've been going because we've actually found it was easier than than we first thought and so we've been raising the bar and we've raised the bar again uh hopefully getting it just out of reach I always like to relate it to a Formula One car or whatever yeah. as well. You know, you accelerate really fast in a Formula car, Formula One car. And as soon as you go over the finish line, you take off the gas. And that's what happens when you hit a target. You hit a target and then you relax a little bit and you, you step back. And I think that's one of the issues. If you set a bigger target, you, you're accelerating all the way there. So a uh, big difference. 
got it got it i also wanted to understand uh, you know when you are setting those plans right um one of the things that a lot of people um, a lot of msps do talk about and also worry about is that predictability of cash flow right so is was that uh, predictability of cash flow and also i remember one of the points that you uh, had uh, written on your uh, linkedin in a linkedin post that you had made about bad debts as well right all of this comes to you know understanding your client uh, figuring out what client works for you um you know so i wanted you to um, talk about that as well a little more about how you uh, you know you tied in that cash flow predictability part into this mm -hmm. planning yeah so again i think it goes down to picking the right clients a lot of the time but we look for red flags so if we start talking and engaging with a prospect and I have said this before as well, but if I get asked for a discount on our services, I'll let somebody off once in a conversation asking for a discount because I'll explain we don't discount our services and we provide you know a really exceptional level of service and and we couldn't do that if we just keep discounting our price. So I'll let I'll let people off if they if they ask for a discount once, but if they ask for a discount a second time in a meeting, I'm pretty much at that point going this is a red flag, like mm. this is probably not a good fit if they're asking me repeatedly for discounts in at this stage of the conversation the likelihood is every time we discuss something that's important to them they're going to want they're going to want the price reducing and that that's not really a good fit for us because we don't want to have to try and convince some somebody that something's worthwhile doing um, we build really good relationships good trust of relationships but that acts as a red flag the other thing is obviously on payment terms in Pyranet, our payment terms were 30 days, and it was pretty standard for IT businesses uh, at the time, and I probably think it still is now. Uh, we, When we started Reformed, we set it as 14 days payment terms, just because, again, cash flow is important, especially for newer businesses. You've got to have that cash flow. And we were we, we implemented that thinking, I wonder if anyone would query it or question it, but all of the clients we've engaged are absolutely fine with it. And again, I think for me, if anyone did have a problem with the terms, it suggests they might not have good cash flow in their own business. And that yeah. acts as another red flag that have they not got the cash to be to be spending? And if they haven't, that might cause us issues further down the line. So we yeah, I think most of the, the benefits to us having really low levels of bad debt and great cash flow is just by being really particular about which clients we take on making that plan and deciding, okay, these are the kind of clients that I need. These are the kind of clients who will get me to that goal that I have set. But how do you find those clients? What's what's the kind of marketing engine that you have to ensure that you reach that kind of clients? And I remember, again, you mentioning about, you know, the inbound uh, lead gen engine that you have. So I wanted you to walk us through that. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is when you when you pick a target market, especially if you do se sector specific and size specific targets, your marketing suddenly becomes a lot easier. Again, yeah. going back to your, your point right at the start, a lot of IT businesses, MSPs go, we'll take anything. And then that what they do is they they then have to market to everybody. And marketing to everybody is really, really difficult because there's so many businesses out there. But if you start to be, become more specific about who it is you're trying to engage with and trying to get in front of, it becomes loads easier just straight off the bat, because let's say we know that we want to target the legal sector and we want businesses in the legal sector that have 50 plus employees. Immediately, that narrows down our search criteria 
it means that we could run a cybersecurity event and invite all of the legal clients or the legal prospects in our local area that have the right number of employees. All of this information is readily available anyway. You, you can look on Companies House, you can look on LinkedIn, you can find out information about what type of businesses that you actually want to work with, and you can basically engage them directly. Makes it a lot easier. Uh, the other things that we've done, so big LinkedIn pres presence, becoming known for cybersecurity has helped. If you become, and there's a, there's a great um, book by Daniel Priestley, Key Person of Influence, um, if you can become a key person of influence in something in your sector, then you're always going to be recommended. You're always going to be seen by the right people. Uh, and I think generally lead generation, it's not just one thing. We don't do one thing. We're doing events, conferences, webinars, LinkedIn, Google SEO, Google Ads. We, we do lots of things. And each of those generates some inbound opportunities. And I think the key thing is to generate more opportunities than you need because that's where you can then cherry pick your clients if you're only generating enough leads that you need to win that business to keep you going then you can't be picky and selective but if you've got more opportunities coming in it means you can cherry pick and disqualify the ones that aren't the right fit right and how much of uh, your time do you spend on the marketing aspect of it do you have an internal team that does it do you uh oversee this personally or do you outsource it how how have you set this up yeah so we have got an in-house uh, marketing manager who started as an apprentice with us as like digital marketing apprentice uh josh and he's developed really well in that role so he's he's pretty good at being self-sufficient and keeping things going for the business again i i find that a lot of it a lot of it is generating profile and raising profile. Some of that is done by me raising my individual profile and becoming known as an expert, for example, and a speaker uh, on ex uh, on cybersecurity. And so that definitely helps to gear the engine and get the engine going. But yes, we have Josh in-house that's generally creating information to keep awareness. I think the good thing is to add value to your, your prospects and your clients. So hints, tips, anything you can do that provides great value to the audience is always going to keep you front of mind for them. So you're always going to be someone they think of when they think of IT or cybersecurity. Right. And you know, how often do you review your client list? How often do you do that, you know, check that the clients are right for you? How how often do you do that? It's a that's a constant evolution. I think uh, obviously things change, so you have to be on top of it all the time. We've been, I think, really we've strategically taken on the right clients. So we've not we've not had we've only had one client where we've had to like let them go at the end of their contract, but we haven't had any clients that have moved away from us to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Besides the fact that we had one client, we said this this isn't going to work. Uh, mm -hmm. We always take on. Uh, when we take on a client for the first time, we only ever do a 12 month agreement. We don't do any longer. We don't do any shorter either. It's always 12 months. And that 12 months is to basically make sure that there's a good fit. You know, it's it's so that they can sense us and get a feel for us and we can do the same with them. After the first 12 months, we will give the client the option to renew their contract on either one, two or three year uh, renewal period. And again, I think, cementing that in, in the first year and getting the relationship really cemented straight away has led to over 80% of our clients 
are on three-year uh, agreements okay. after the first year now. So we get long-term commitments from our clients because they know that we add value to them and they want the assurance that we're going to be there and the price is going to be consistent for the next three years. So, Right. So, yeah, that's, that's also a great best practice, right? Give them a taste of what you have to offer and give them these options. You're not tying them in. You're not forcing them to take those decisions. You're giving them that choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I think one of the things MSPs need to be careful of and one of the trends that I've seen, uh, the trendy thing to be doing is like these rolling monthly uh, agreements yeah. when it comes to an MSP in the MSP market. And I can understand that they see it as a, as a differentiator or, you know, you can cancel any time. So there's no risk. But the way I see it is the MSP relationship between a client and an MSP is a really, really important relationship. It's not something no business wants to go chopping around, changing from provider to provider. They don't want to do that. It's a long term relationship, ultimately, and they want to get the right one. I don't really see that monthly rolling thing as being that advantageous anyway. Nobody wants to chop and change all the time. Uh, and the other thing as well is that when we first take on a client, there's a lot of stuff that gets done up front. You know, we have to get under the hood of the business, really understand the business, make sure that everything from a best practice point of view is all there and done. And that takes a lot of work from us in the first month or two. And so it would be unfair and unreasonable for anyone to expect that they could cancel on month three after we've done a load of the work front loaded. Um, so we need to have that 12 month commitment, both for them so that they can see through uh, the whole process. And for us, for the security of our team and to give us the chance to basically get things right over the first 12 months. And as I say, after that, we will we won't do rolling monthly. We'll go 12, 24, 36 month agreements after. And we found, you know, as I say, over 80 percent of the time, people want three years. They want that long term commitment because when they find the right partner, they want to be sure that they've, that they've got that relationship for the long term. Right, right. And it takes that time to show that value, right? You can't do that in a month or overnight, yeah. Correct. I also, I was also uh, hoping you would be able to share, um, you know, you have shared quite a few insights, but what are your best practices? And again, a little bit, you know, now in uh, with the benefit of hindsight to a certain extent, what are the best practices uh, uh, from, from a legion point of view or even from, uh, you know, building that client base point of view that you think MSPs should keep in mind when, say, somebody who is either starting out right now or who are in the process of, you know, they are taking stock of their business and want to do things differently. What are the things that they should be doing? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I mentioned earlier, become an expert, become known as an expert, add value to to your clients and, and the your audience, not just your clients. Give things, give give elements of value away for free so that they can and that's how you can get people interested and, and and connected to you the one thing i'll touch on is is how we one of the big differences between what we did previously in Pyranet and what we're doing now with reformed it is that we do a all include all inclusive package and you know every msp now is talking about their stack you know what does their stack look like i i know from from the Pyranet days that we weren't what I would class as an MSP uh, in the truest sense of the of the word, uh, what we did is we had an IT support package and we had a, added in antivirus and a couple of other things, but then we sold bolt-ons for all the other security features. And, his, and even things like backups for Microsoft 365 would be a bolt-on. And what I saw time and time again is you'd go out to a, a client and you'd say, you know, you should be backing up your Microsoft 365. It costs 
whatever, two pound per user per month uh, to do that. And nine times out of 10, the client would say, well, we've never needed this before. It's too expensive. We don't need it. And they'd just dismiss it. Ultimately, they'd have a problem. They'd lose some data at some point, And then you wouldn't be able to recover that. And then what would happen is you'd get the blame for it because you're their IT company, even though you'd recommended something to them. And it, it, it would happen over and over again. So this time around, we've taken those debates, arguments, everything's off the table. What we do now is everything is included in the package. So if we think that something is required to keep our clients either safe or make them more efficient, then it's part of the package. And the big differentiator we've done, which which we don't see anyone else really in our market doing like we do, is that even if we go out and find something new that we think they need to add in, to protect Mm. our clients so we've done a lot of it over the last few months to increase security and we'll go out and we'll get that product any client that's already agreed with us a price they get it for free so they're not paying extra we're not asking them for any more money it's like a commitment and a promise that we make to them and so that takes all of those arguments off the table but it means that we keep adding more and more value to our clients so when it comes to renewal of their agreement they've seen all that value that we've given them And it makes it an absolute no-brainer that they want to continue the relationship with us. And at that point, the price will go up to reflect the additional services that are included. But usually they're happy to do that because they've already seen some of the benefit and the value from it. So that's how I see MSPs today should be working, is it should be an all-inclusive package. Selling bolt-ons makes it really, really difficult. You don't get the volume discount then if you're only selling 100 of these or 200 of those. You can do it across your entire client base and your entire user base. You'll get volume discount. You can apply it to everybody. Everyone's on the same page. You haven't got any discrepancies and some that are slightly protected or some that are more protected. Just everybody should be equally protected. Got it. Got it. That's a very interesting point. Anything else that we haven't covered? Anything else that uh, you know you should think MSP should keep in mind? You know, I think we covered quite a lot. Uh, so yeah, basically pick your clients just to review and see if anything else comes up. But yeah, pick your clients and your target market. Uh, don't discount because discounting, I think, undercuts your uh, undercuts your value. Feel free to walk away from an opportunity if it doesn't fit, but that doesn't mean you've got to be generating the right number of opportunities uh, in order to, to be able to do that. Uh, so to generate the right number of opportunities, it needs to be an omni-channel marketing uh, basis. You should be looking at covering everything. Uh, but get yourself known as an expert in your particular um, area and your particular sector and of expertise. Great, brilliant. Yeah, that I think we've um, you know in, it was a, a rapid fire conversation almost, but we covered so much and a lot of insights there. And I think like what you mentioned, right? Uh, being intentional right from the beginning that that's something that uh, a lot of us. Uh, would do well to learn from and i think that that's one of the key takeaways from me for me from this conversation and and that that's across the board right it's not just about the picking your uh, clients but in every aspect of uh, the business so yeah great thank you so much joe it was great having you on this uh, podcast i hope to see you again soon yes sure we will